Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We're in a series called Build Again because we want to look at what it's like to see your life begin to build again. One of the verses that has always influenced my life and my preaching, I guess, is out of Psalm 103 verse 7. It simply says this, that God made known his ways under Moses, but his acts under the children of Israel. In other words, the children of Israel got to see what God did, but Moses got to understand how God did it. And if you stop and think about that a minute, you realise that good preaching ought to not just be about content. It ought to be a lot more than simply information It ought to be bringing understanding for every one of us about how do I walk with God and how do I work for God. I'll say that again. It ought to bring more than content, more than information. I can stand here and teach you about the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of David being raised up and the significance of the badger skins dyed purple and the silver sockets around Moses' tabernacle. And I can teach you about the types and the shadows and the meaning of the colours and the stones and the numbers and all the rest of those things because they are all significant. And I'm not saying those things don't matter. But I do believe that first and foremost, preaching ought to teach us how do I walk with God? How do I know how to pray so that prayers get answered? How do I know how to live life in the Spirit? So many Christians live life really out of their mind and not out of their spirit. And yet the Bible says that if we will walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. In other words, the answer to the issues of life are not what I stop doing, but they're what I begin doing in my life. I'll say that again. It's not about stopping stuff. It's about how do I learn to walk with the Holy Spirit? How do I begin to walk with God? So many people when it comes to prayer know only contractual prayer. That is where I tell God what I want, virtually like bringing a shopping list before God and then ending it all with in Jesus' name. And they don't know how to change the way they feel or they don't know how to change what's happening in their home. They don't know how to change atmospheres that are in the workplace or, again, maybe atmospheres that have developed in the home right around Australia right now and I'm sure around the world in Sicily as well as other parts of the world. Um, There's so many people that are uh, encountering atmospheres that are against the things of God. They're against the fruit of the Spirit. They're not what God ordained. But people don't know how to change those things. And out of that, uh, I wanted tonight take some time to give you some understanding, I hope, of some of this so that you can understand, well, how do I do this? How do I change those things that are in front of my life? Some of you here have got so many cares and so many concerns and God wants to take them tonight and turn them into vision. And you say, how do I do that? I want to help you do some of that tonight for your life. I believe that vision is one of the most powerful things that God ever brings to a human life. Uh, When Jesus called his disciples, he never called them with a contract or a job description. He called them with a vision. He said, follow me 
and I will make you. Here's something I'm going to do with your life. And he took these people that were fishermen, tax collectors. They were certainly not the people that anybody thought would ever change the world. They were the bottom of the pile in so many ways. But Jesus called them and said, follow me, I'm going to make something of you. And then he spends three and a half years building these people into the kind of people, listen to me, that when the Holy Spirit came on them, they then changed the world. So many people have the Holy Spirit come on an old mindset. And if the Holy Spirit comes on an old mindset, you don't end up with impact you end up with religiosity. Remember the the parable Jesus said, no one puts new wine into old wineskins lest the old wineskin burst because it can't contain the expansion and the growth. And so many people have never learned how to change the things in their life so that when the Holy Spirit comes on them, that they are able to be a person of influence. Tendai, you will be able to look back and see some of the things that God adjusted in your life that at the time you thought, there's no point to that. Why am I doing that? I remember as a young Christian, uh, I actually went to my pastor because I thought I was going crazy. I went to him and I said, uh, you know, I, I feel convicted. I didn't use that word because I didn't know what it was. Uh, I didn't know the term. I said, but, you know, where I would just chuck my rubbish out the window of my car, uh, I know that's bad, but I, I would just do that. Now I, it's like I hear a voice saying, don't do that. Instead of just leaving my clothes on the floor where I stepped out of them as I got ready for bed, uh, now I feel like this, like I've got to hang them up. And what's the matter with me? And my pastor was wise enough to say, God is changing something in you and doing something with you uh, because of what he has for you to do. I look back at that now and I go, thank God that the Holy Spirit never just worked on the big things of vision and on the big things of power and on the big things of all that stuff. But he began to work on the everyday things for me so that one day when the anointing of the Holy Spirit could release me into something, I would have a new mindset and a new wineskin. Are you with me? Uh, I know that for me, I did not grow up in a positive thinking home. I didn't grow up in a home where faith was what was talked. I grew up where we believed that God basically, you know, brought trouble your way. If someone was dying in our extended family, we all would say, well, you know, let thy will be done. At the end of every prayer I ever heard growing up and going to church, they would always say, if it be thy will, Lord, let that come to pass. My mother had a thing she'd write in her letters to. Uh, I left home when I was 15 to go to school. And uh, she would write in her letters, we'll do this, DV would be in brackets. DV is Latin for Dio Valente. It means God willing. And we grew up with that kind of thing. And I remember coming into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and experiencing a whole new dimension of faith that deeply challenged my life and my thinking. Because all of a sudden I began to see that the Bible said I, I could live a life of hope and I began to change my language. And you go, what's that got to do with it? Because oftentimes, listen to me, God wants to change something in your outer world before he gives you the fulfillment and the fullness in your inner world. Does that make sense? 
Oftentimes God wants to change something in your outer world. So it begins to change the way you speak to other people and the language that you use. You go from being a gossiper or a critic to sing the negative about people and the Holy Spirit begins to say, don't talk like that, become an encourager. And you find yourself feeling bad. I don't know if I'm the only person in the world who's ever done this, but felt bad when what came out of my mouth was not edifying, was not helping lift someone up. And I began to understand that God wanted to bring out, listen, the anointing comes on you. And the anointing needs to come on the best you that there is. Because if the anointing comes on the bad you, you end up being a Saul. He was anointed, he prophesied, and the same went out as Saul also among the prophets. But because he never dealt with the insecurity and the inferiority in his life, when Saul stood up, even though he's anointed to be king, when Saul begins to lead out of that, that old thing is so uh, powerful through him, he will attack even God's chosen successor for his life. He tries to kill David. You go, how can such a thing be? Well, it's because he never learned how to change his life, how to get a new mindset. I don't just mean thinking positively. I'm not talking about some kind of positive mental attitude. I'm talking about where the Holy Spirit begins to remould who you are. The Scripture says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth anything but a new creature. In other words, it's not the outer you that needs to change. It's the inner you that needs to change. And so many people don't know how to do those things. So they live lives where bitterness controls them, where past disappointments rule the, the vision of their life. And God can come and speak to them, but their past disappointments will talk them out of it. I'm going to come to my message in a minute, but I'm just going to keep jumping through this for a second. Because when Gideon has the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, and he knows it's the angel of the Lord. He knows God is speaking to him. And when Gideon has an angel stand in front of him and say, Hail thou mighty man of valour, Gideon says, That cannot be me. You've got the wrong person. Why? Because Gideon's past disappointments, he talks about in Judges 6, his past disappointments were so powerful and so impacting to his life that he cannot grasp the anointing of the leader and the anointing of the victor that God wants him to have. He can't grab that and lead other people into something that is so amazing. 300 people go against a multitude without number and get a victory. But he can't see that and he argues with God. Can I say to you tonight, if you are in the business of arguing with God, something needs to change in your life. Something needs to shift in your life. For God, listen, for God to call you, God has never called anyone ever to something insignificant or small. There's no such thing. I was thinking this week about Dorcas in Acts, oh, it's about 13 or 14, where Dorcas who made handcrafts and was such a generous person in the church, she wasn't rich. She wasn't somebody that had a great gift of oratory or ministry of some kind or other. But evidently something about her life was so valuable that when she died, they sent for Peter. 
Now, Peter just happened to have been moved closer to where Dorcas lived. And he goes down there. And what a powerful thing that, that it is. He raises her from the dead. So don't tell me that what you do for God is somehow rather small or minor or insignificant. God wants our life to change. And when we talk about building, we're not talking about, about just building our information, our database of the Bible. We're not talking here about learning more verses so that we can sprout them or so that we can even find comfort from out of, you know, low I am with you always, even under the end of the earth or, you know, something rather like that. We're talking about the Word of God working inside of us to change us so that when God anoints us, something greater can come out of us than we ever could have produced on our own. All right? God wants something greater to come out of you than you ever could have produced on your own. God wants something better to come out of you than you ever could have done with all of your education and all of your intellect, with all of your personality and all of your experience. God has got something for you. But unless I allow Him to change me, my biggest battle is not to get God to move, it's to get me to change. So when we talk about this verse of Psalm 103, which is in your notes, but when we talk about that and about building again, we need to understand some things about how does God birth something in our life? In the book of Nehemiah, let's go to it now. In Nehemiah chapter 1, there is a small part that is so easy to jump past because we want to get to the leadership part of it. We want to get to Nehemiah, you know, championing the cause and standing before the king and getting his favour and all the blessing and everything that goes with it. But long before there is a public expression of the vision, long before there is a public demonstration of the grace and favour of God on his life, there is a private seeking of God that provides the foundation for it. I want to talk about it because I don't hear so many people talk about this kind of thing anymore. And I want to encourage you to be somebody who like Jacob wrestled with the angel. I want you to, to accept the challenge tonight like the Apostle Paul did before he went out. You know, he began to seek God. The, the Scriptures tell us that he went out into the desert long before you ever see Paul the church planter there was Paul, the lone prayer, out in the desert places. And it was long before John the Baptist turned up and began baptizing in the River Jordan. There was a John the Baptist who didn't uh, check out social media every day. There was a John the Baptist who wasn't the Baptist yet. He's just John, the miracle boy. And all he knows is, I'm called to be a forerunner. I don't even know who it is that I'm going to be the forerunner for. I don't know who he is, what his name is, or what his address is. I just know there's something stirring inside of me. I just know I've got to seek God. I just know that, do you know what I'm saying? You know, that you, you know we've got a couple of uh, great people in our church, two of them are here tonight, who are pregnant at the moment. 
and yet they can't tell you the the you know the color of the eyes or the length of the child or the weight of the baby or any of that stuff. They don't know it yet. All they know is I'm carrying something for the future. Now it's going to get revealed at the right time. But in the meantime, I'm in the until space. All right? So let's go to our, we better go to the notes that are here. I've no idea what the time is, but anyway, let's just keep going. I'll just go a little bit quicker for a minute. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, right in the beginning, and they said to me, these are the people that come back from Jerusalem. It says, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I know lots of people who are in the middle of crisis and pressure do exactly that. They have followed this story right up to that point. They sit down and we buy counsel and talk with them. I get to pray with them. But they're people who are overwhelmed by what's happening in their life or their world. And they, are, uh, they sit down and they weep. But Nehemiah doesn't just do the first part because care, listen to me, care and concern alone don't change things. This man does something even more powerful. We are told in verse 4, So it was when I heard these words that I sat down wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now he's not praying, God send me. He's not saying, God, let me get before the king. Give me his favour. Let him fund this project. He doesn't know what the specifics are. He just knows that before you get a vision, you always get a burden. This is old-fashioned kind of preaching, I know. And maybe it's not stuff that, that seems to be so popular around in a day of quick fixes and and let's just get to the, the, the beautiful answers. But I tell you, God has never changed his methods. God is still the same God. And many times that's why the prophets say this so often. And the burden of the Lord came unto Amos. The burden of the Lord came upon Isaiah. The burden of the Lord came upon Jeremiah. Why? Because sometimes you don't know what even the specifics are. You just know that you have to pray. You just know, you know, can I say to you, because I hear people talk like prayer is a gift that certain people have and others don't. As though somehow or other the intercession, you know there's no spiritual gift in the New Testament that I can find called the spiritual gift of intercession. What I see is people that make a choice to become prayers until. Are you with me? Because otherwise you'll put it off. It's like, I don't know, this. there's no spiritual gift of giving in the New Testament. We're all called to be givers. Now, some may pray more than others. Some may give more than others. But don't put it into a box that says, well, yeah, I don't have that gift. Because I believe many of us, many of you here tonight, many of you online with us in this service, many of you know what I'm talking about. It's like, you're in the weeping and the mourning part of it. You're in the cares part of it. You're worried about what's happening in your home and you don't know how to fix it. And all of your 
you're kind of, all of what you think are answers seem to backfire and make it worse. You know, the, the, in your job environment, in your, you know, just so many areas of need, maybe in your job, like the one we're talking about with Tendai, where so many of these things, you go, and so many people, they weep and they mourn and then they go, oh, well. And instead of until, they go, oh, well. I believe that God wants the church to shift from oh, well to until. This man prays until his cares become his vision. Why does that matter? Because with vision comes three things. This is not in your notes, but if you want to jot them down. With vision always comes, God-given vision always brings three things to your life. Number one, it always brings faith. No such thing as God-given vision without the faith to perform it. It, it comes with it. If God gives you a vision, faith comes. I remember when one of my children many, many years ago, and I've told this story before, but uh, I'll just tell it very briefly. One of my children had a diagnosis that medically was incredibly serious, life-threatening. And I remember, I, did I have the care and concern? Only a parent, I think, could understand that you would swap your life for theirs. You would take that thing if it was possible rather than see them be in it. And that was where I felt the care and concern. I did not know at all what to do. And all I knew, I thank God for all the scriptures I learned as a new Christian. I thank God for Psalm 91, there shall no evil before you, no plague will come nigh your dwelling. I said that 500 times out loud the first day the diagnosis came. I kept saying, I, was, I never went around telling them, oh, this, this uh, child of ours didn't want anyone else to know. And I remember going, God, what do I do? And I just kept on, that verse just stuck in my mind, there shall no evil before you, no plague will come, no, you're dwelling. I kept declaring it 500 times, the next day another 500. At about 1 a.m., I remember, in the middle of the night, I was standing out in a certain spot. I still remember being there. And I remember I'd been praying. I hadn't been worrying God, but I'd brought my care and concern to God. And in the middle of the, that room at 1 a.m., no one else was up. And it was like someone poured warm honey over the top of my head and flowed down over my body, the soles of my feet. And I heard a voice, not an audible voice, but I heard a voice say to me, they'll be all right. Can I say to you when I prayed until? Now, there's been other things where I'd love to tell you the story, but there's some things I'm still on the until journey for. But with that, that word, that vision came an expectancy and a faith that it would be okay, and it was. So when vision comes, faith always comes. Secondly, insight always comes. That's what I believe. I don't want to keep coming back to you. Uh, Tendai, you came down for this weekend. You never came to be the poster girl for the, for the night service. But, uh, but I believe that God's going to give you insight in that space that other people are going to go, oh, die, yeah. And you're going to get some opposition where some people are going to go, well, that won't work. Oh, no, we tried that before. And you're going to need to be forceful somewhat and say, you know what? Uh, no, come on, I think we should try it again. They won't understand God language, perhaps. 
But I believe God wants to bring a vision of the northern part of Australia not being generationally cursed and generationally broken and generationally full of pain, but that things can change. And why do they have to, they have to wait until someone overseas does it? And somebody inside will come. The third thing that always comes with vision is right people always come. When vision gets birthed in someone's heart, the right people always turn up. Gideon gets a vision and he finds the 300 that he needs. Think about it. When vision comes to Moses, he finds the right people. When vision comes to Joshua, he finds the right people. It's no coincidence that Jesus, before he chooses the disciples, spends all night in prayer. And he prays until the cares, if they were that, become his vision. And he goes out and calls. He doesn't even doubt. He goes up and says, follow me. And people leave what they're doing and just follow him. My concern is not how many people are there, My concern is how big is the vision? How strong is the vision? Do we have a vision in this church for what God wants to do, what we do? Have you prayed about it, not worried about it, until you see a different picture, a vision of what can be and will be? Because godly vision is not just what we prefer. It's not just what is possible, but it's what is a, listen, a certainty based on a promise of God. I'll say that again. Godly vision is not just what we would like to see, what we'd prefer. It's not just what's possible. That could happen, you know. But it's what is a certainty based on a promise from God. I believe some of you here need to get before God and say, God, I've got a care and concern for my family. I'm not talking here about changing the whole world. How do you change the whole world if you can't change the world you live in? Come on, some of us, we worry God and then we pray and then we worry and then we pray and then we worry. And we've never kept going until the cares and concerns became our vision. God, this is what I see. I call that person blessed. I thank you, Lord, they're going to serve you. I thank you, Lord, we dedicated them to you. Therefore, Lord, they're going to walk with you. Therefore, God, your Holy Spirit is going to reach out and touch their life in Jesus' name. I believe every parent, Come on, you can have confidence for your family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I believe that anyway. Let me just hurry up here because I see my time's already gone and I haven't got to any of these notes, but that's why they're there so you can read them later. Let me just finish by saying this. Team, please come. How do you know when you've prayed enough? How do you know? Some people think it's about the amount of prayer. How many hours? Well, you know, there are some things that I'm still, uh, honestly, there are some things I could tell you about if I want to that I just go, I've got the vision. I've got the vision. I cannot see one shred of change yet. Not, nothing yet. But if you get the vision of it, the rest of that's going to come. How do you know when it's become a vision? I'll tell you how you know. When you've got more hopes than you've got fears. Just ask yourself, am I, am I fearing this or have I got hope for it? If your hopes are now outnumbering your fears, you know you've got vision in your life.
Well, the rest of it's all there in the notes, particularly if you're a Metro Church done online. Don't talk yourself out of it. Peter starts to walk on water and he lets himself get talked out of the vision because he had one. He had a vision of going to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. Jesus said, come, and he jumps out of the boat, full of vision. Gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water to Jesus, but he lets himself get talked out of it. Some of you here, you get vision, and then your next door neighbour, your auntie or your brother-in-law or your mother or your father or your kids or your lecturer at uni or somebody talks you out of it. Oh, well. Well, you know, the people who have that problem, oh, you know how bad it is? 80%. I remember when the doctor told me what the survival rate was for the particular cancer that I had in my body. He said, this is the way it goes. And I remember saying to him, I will be one of that percent. I'm going to be one of them. Why? Because I needed to, I was in a place, I needed, well, I'd, I'd already got a vision. I knew I was going to be fine. But I needed to make sure, I remember Googling once the particular thing. I Googled it once and I never looked at it ever again. Why? Because if you, can I say, can I, some of you here need to, you need to take a chill pill from off of social media because it's talking to you in a rubbish. Um, come on then. Let's just be honest for a second here. Some people need to stop taking the phone call from old negative Nelly who's forever telling you you can't make it and you don't have this and well, you know, you're going to have this. Who are you letting talk you out in the vision God's putting you on? Father, help us tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that out of all of this, you will speak to the hearts I know you already are. Lord, this is not a message of impossibility. It's a message of transformation and great possibility. We can see you change our lives and the lives of people around about us. We can have faith for that person to come to Christ. We can have faith for our life to get better, not worse. We can have faith, God, that your hand, oh God, your hand is on us. Your hand is on We are called by you. We are not people who are serving God until we die. We are called for divine purpose in the planet. We're here to make a difference. Everything about us is called. All of heaven Seize the mark of the Holy Spirit upon our mind and our heart and says, there's my chosen ones. There's my called ones. Father, I pray that you'll begin to birth something fresh inside of us. God, where we've let the enemy talk us out of stuff. Steal away from us the sharp edge of believing what you have got for our life. Make us settle for second best and average. God, would you help us tonight in Jesus' name. I just want to pray right now for people that are here. And I'm going to, I know Pastor Bruce will be doing this with Metro Church done online. But if you're here in front of me and you go, Jeff, I've got concerns that need to become vision. Without anyone looking around, because we don't need, this is not for public display. This is for our heart to say to the Holy Spirit, 
Come on, Lord. I've carried it as a care and a concern. But God, now would you turn it into vision in my life? Would you breathe on it? Oh, Lord, if you do, everything will shift. It'll stop being a problem and become an opportunity for you to display your mighty power and grace. If that's you tonight, you'd like me to pray with you right where you are. Just slip your hand up in the air. I've got concerns and cares that need to become vision. Just put your hand up. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I see you. Oh, thank you. Yep, 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 yep. Just wherever you are. Doesn't mean you're, thank you. Doesn't mean you're bad or you've got some terrible problem or you failed. Thank you. I see you. Lots of people. Never be embarrassed. Never be embarrassed to say to God, God, I need your help. Oh, mercy. Oh, mercy. I do it every day of my life. I need your help. I need your help, Lord. Come on, if you need to slip it up, just slip it up right now. That's me, Lord. I, I really need you to do it. Thank you. Thank you. Father, would you do that tonight for each one of us? Lord, unless the whole great Holy Spirit helps us, we will know how to pray. We'll know how to tell you about the problem. But maybe, Lord, we won't know how to journey it so that we hear your sweet whisper inside of our heart telling us it's going to be okay. You're going to help us. That's going to change. God, we don't need a dialogue. We don't need a great speech. We just need that little witness of the Holy Spirit that says it's going to be okay. Father, I thank you for that, for these lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's sing together for a minute. Come team. We haven't finished just yet. We'll be there in a second. But my rock, my shield, my fortress you are. Come on, let's sing it together. My rock, my shield, my fortress you are. Come on. My rock, my shield, my fortress you are. Jesus. Let's worship the Lord. Come on. Take a minute. Worship God. Yes, I find rest. I find safety. I find safety in your love. Oh, I find. some of you tonight may never have given your life to Jesus. You might not even know what that term sounds like because lots of people have been to church but no one's ever said to them that Jesus wants to come into their life so they end up knowing a bit about God and a bit about church but don't really know how to have Jesus as the friend who walks with you. The greatest joy and the greatest privilege of my life has not been to be a preacher 
or to see miracles happen. It's always been that Jesus is my friend. It's always been that wherever I am, He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. It doesn't mean I've been perfect, but I've been far from it. Stumbled here and there, but you know, He's been faithful even when I haven't been. He's been there even when I was struggling. And I believe that some of you tonight, you need to say yes to Jesus in your life. Maybe you're online and you're not even online with us right now. Because I know that the biggest number of people online are during the week. I guess because of different time zones or something else. And maybe you stumble onto this message on YouTube or some other space like that and you go, wow, I never thought about that. I didn't realize that Jesus wanted to be that close to me, wanted to be that, that much a part of my life. How do I do that, Jeff? How do I do it? Well, do you know, it's the simplest thing in the world. It's the most profound, but it's still the simplest. Jesus called the 12, said, come follow me. And all he was looking for was three letters. Why, yes, yes. When Saul is persecuting the church, he's an evil man. When Jesus interrupts him on the road to Damascus, he says, yes, Lord. If you want to say yes to Jesus, metrochurch.online, there's the yes tab. If you're outside of Australia, you can get it via email at yes.metrochurch.org.au. If you're in Australia, you want to get it via text, then it's 488 Please don't. This is never something I ever want to rush through in the service. Because every single week people say yes to Jesus and their life is profoundly changed as a result. We won't spam you. We'll never write and ask you for money or anything. What we will do is send you, if it's on one screen of the smartphone, we'll send you a Bible verse, a different one every day for 30 days. We'll send you a prayer, a different one every day for 30 days so that you can start walking with God. It's not a fits everything and everybody, but it'll help you. 0488826392. Yes.metrochurch.org.au or just tap on the yes button. God bless you as you do that in Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing it again. I find rest. I find rest. Peace. I find safety, I find safety in, in your love, yeah, Lord. Come on now, I find peace. I find rest. I find safety in your love, yeah. Oh, I find Father, I pray that this week will be a week where we encounter you. Not just a week where we think about you or where we read the Bible or pray a prayer. But let it be a week, God, where we know that you're doing something inside of us for what you want to reveal in us for the sake of others. I pray, God, that every one of us will have one of those kind of weeks where 
We just say God was working in my life. Thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Bless these wonderful people. Use them for your glory in a great way, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, that never went according to the plan. At least not our plan, but it sure went according to His plan. Thank you for being a part of the service. If you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Pastor Bruce, he's online, of course, for ministry time. God bless all those that are with